This week on Hacker in the Fed, internet videos may be able to silently hack your phone with a near ultrasound inaudible Trojan. Companies have more access to your data than you might know, including pictures of you. We discuss the leak classified documents, another example of bad access controls. And finally, we talk about a hacker getting hacked. Hector Monsegur was responsible for some of the most notorious hacks Former ever. FBI Special Agent Chris Tarbell. Hacker turned FBI informant. Participated in some of the world's most infamous hacks. It caused up to $50 million in damages. A life in the shadows. Cyber attacks on the rise. Welcome to Hacker in the Fed. I'm Chris Tarbo, former FBI special agent, working my entire career in cybersecurity, and now a founding partner of Nexo. Joined, as always, by my friend and podcast co-host, Hector Monsegur, former black hat hacker who once faced 125 years in prison for his many years of hacking under the code name Sabu. Our stories collided in June of 2011 when I arrested Hector and convinced him to work with the FBI. Hector is now a red teamer, researcher, cybersecurity expert, and as I said, close personal friend. Hector, how are you doing this week? Oh, doing pretty well, my friend. You know, same old, same old, just geeking out. How about yourself? <laughs> yeah, no, things are good. I traveled this weekend a little bit, so it's nice Ooh. to be home. You know, got a little sun. I don't know if you can see in the thing. I got a little tan <laughs> this weekend. So Yeah, you starting to look like me. That's great. <laughs> but cool. No, that's great. I'm glad you got to travel. I'm hoping to do some of that myself, hopefully soon. It wasn't pleasure travel. I'll tell you that. A lot of driving, a lot of driving. I mean, I'm sick of uh, driving around. So stay at home for a few weeks. And I'm excited about that. Let me ask you a question, brother. If you don't yeah, mind. Go ahead. Do you think it's like an age thing? Because when I was younger, I loved road trips, man. I traveled all across the country. I remember I took a Greyhound bus from New York City to Oklahoma. Wow. Yeah. And I, I would have never it. guessed you had been to Oklahoma before. Oh, I love Oklahoma. Big shout out to my uh, my fellow uh, Oklahomans out there. I was in Norman, Oklahoma for like about, I don't know, 40 days or so. And I got to chill at the Indian Reservation out there. Cool place. And the people were warm, man. I was accepted. I was treated very nicely. So I have, I have good memories of Oklahoma. But my point is, I used to love those road trips, man, when I was younger. Now, if I'm in the car for more than half an hour, I'm already antsy. I'm the same way if it's someplace I've driven a lot before or been. If I ever get to take a trip to someplace that I've never been driven before, I loved it. Like I took, I drove from New York to Dallas, Texas, uh, mm. probably six, seven months ago. And I loved it. I enjoyed crossing the Mississippi. I've never driven across the Mississippi before. So new places. I like new things. All right. Well, I, I, I'm going to have to give that a try. I'm going to have to like just drive somewhere that I've never been and just like see how it goes. It's nice. And I actually like going to like local restaurants with these places and, and try new things. You know, like uh, people forget how big America is compared to like other countries um, and how diverse it is where, you know, living in New York, you have all these types of restaurants. But, you know, you got to Oklahoma and you do something new. That's the only place that I've ever had uh, Rocky Mountain Oysters. Have you ever had those? No. Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Do you know what they are? No. <laughs> They're sheep testicles. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they were Sounds actually amazing. pretty good. They were actually not bad. I, I would eat them again, um, the way they were prepared. Um, now, I would say I, I learned not to bite them in half. Like a regular oyster. You, you never want to, if you're ever eating oysters, you never want to bite in half and look what's in the middle. What was the place called? Sheep's nuts? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, like a, it was like a steak restaurant. It was one of the advertisers. Wow. Out in the Midwest, they have that sort of thing. Well, I remember when I went... 
and this was before like Sonic came to New York, but I went over there and I had Sonic for the first time and I saw the Coney, that foot long hot dog with the chili cheese. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yes, my life is complete. Um, yeah, no, I love going out of Coney Island. Yeah, man, for sure, dude. For those listening, uh, Hector and I were talking about air checking and listening to our show and making, seeing, changing the show a little bit and the way we do it. So I'll be interested to see if Phineas leaves all this uh, sheep testicle and pigeon eating and Coney Island talking. So it'll be, when we air check it, we'll see if it's there, Hector. It'll be fun. Oh, yeah. No, that'll be fantastic. Oh, to be honest, to talk about this, I was on a podcast this week. Uh, it's called None Taken. Um, everyone go out and listen to None Taken. I was a guest on there to talk about these Pentagon documents that were uh, exposed. Um, and they're listeners of Hacker in the Fed. Um, and, oh, that's and great. Du- yeah, Dustin, their host, asked me, he's like, you guys talked about in your podcast about this hour conversation you had. You definitely have to put that up and get Patreon and have people sell it. I said, no way. We would be canceled <laughs> if, if they heard our conversation. <laughs> but beyond that, I like having that private conversation with you. It's nice that the audience gets to listen to hear, uh, hear talk here about cybersecurity and all. But, sure. you know, those times before the show with you and I talking, uh, some yeah. of the best parts of my week. Yeah, yeah. Same here. It's kind of like therapy for me. So thank you for that. I appreciate you. But no, all, all jokes aside, I think that what we can do is introduce some of that, you know, into uh, some of these episodes where the audience gets to hear our personalities. That's one thing that... Um, that you know, they get to see a little bit of it or hear a little bit of it here and there throughout the episodes, but maybe we could talk more, you know, get yeah. some perspective uh, beyond cyber. No, and I, I definitely want, you know, the audience to not be scared of or see me as just like the big bag FBI guy. Um, oh, yeah. And I certainly don't think you want the audience to think you you are Sabu. Um, you know, you're <sighs> Hector Montsegur. You're, you know, formerly yeah. Sabu. But we have to answer to a higher power, and that higher power goes by Phineas and Dave. So we'll see what, <laughs> what they leave in here. Maybe they'll leave their own names in. But anyways, let's us get into cybersecurity. We've got a lot of fun stories to talk about. Um, I feel like the first couple ones are the scare the shit out of your stories again, Hector. Um, so let's get into it. All right. Let's just be careful we don't get hit with the FUD, man. With the FUD yeah, label, let's, you know? Let's help. Let's hope. All right. The first story. Hey, Siri, use this ultrasound attack to disarm a smartphone system developers at the university of texas san antonio and university of colorado and colorado springs has made a new attack called a Nuit near ultrasound inaudible trojan attack um, where humans can't hear it pretty interesting stuff hector what did what do you think of uh, reading about this uh, this article well it's fun right it's uh interesting to see um this kind of research continue i mean we've we've heard about these sort of attacks in the past, a lot of it was theoretical. A lot of, the, at least, a lot of the research papers I've read were, were theoretical, or um, more internal, right? Internal research that that folks have kind of released here and there. We've kind of seen some of this take place by accident. Um, I believe, and I could be wrong here. I believe there was a Super Bowl commercial at some point over the last couple, couple of years, um, or a commercial in general, maybe not Super Bowl related, that had a um, Alexa commands or similar. But to come up with a payload that's that's near ultrasound or inaudible um, is interesting. I think that's where the difference is from that commercial you're talking about, is it's that we can't hear it. Oh, yeah, 100%. Now, how do you defend against something that you do not hear? I guess that's that's really uh, the scary part of the story. Yeah, it certainly is scary. But so for the, the audience, what we're talking about is that an attacker – could use something like an attack vector like YouTube. And in that YouTube video is an embedded ultrasonic, 
um, signal to one of your assistants, um, you know, either Google Assist or, or Amazon Alexa or Siri or one of those that gives a command. Um, and that command then has a connected device like unlocking your front door or something like that in, inside the device. So it's, it's a different way of, of providing these payloads to get your smartphone to be used against you. Pretty scary stuff. Um, you know, they talk in the article. I, I definitely will we'll put the link in there. Um, you know, they were talking about that for an attack on, on the same device, you need uh, commands that are like below 77 milliseconds. But they were able, in, at least in a lab, they were able to get commands within that short period of time uh, and get your phone to, to do them. Oh, yeah. Now, imagine this. Imagine a scenario where you have a bunch of devices on your network that are not segmented. Remember how we've spoken in the past, in past episodes, and even referred to like the NSA's guideline on segmenting uh, local area networks. The idea or the concept of segmenting certain devices, smart devices, IoT devices, away from main or sensitive components of your network. So imagine a scenario where you have pretty much an open local area network. You have a bunch of different smart devices. Um, maybe you have a security system attached to that. And if an attacker is able to embed something malicious in an inaudible format, um, you know, by means of a payload, in this case, a signal, they could theoretically automate maybe the opening of your garage or perhaps lowering the volume on other devices. It's really interesting to see that folks are actually coming up with working proof of concepts. I would love to see this in, in practice, to be honest to kind of see what the research looks like. But I, I could see this being an actual attack vector um, for a lot of folks out there. Yeah, even like, uh, I mean, what if it's used in advertisements where, you know, you uh, can, you know, a, a bad guy advertiser will put in there some ultrasonic thing to just log into your Amazon account and put it in the list and have it sent to you. Yeah, I mean, it could, they could automate the process of adding an item to a cart. Maybe not, you know, actually purchase the item i mean i'm sure there are security controls for that and even if they if there are not that's that yeah that would be an automatic boost for their proceeds for the day right but at the very least try to be sneaky about it and add an item to your cart hoping that you have other items there for like a you know a upcoming order um yeah i could see i could see how a malicious advertisers could definitely take, take advantage of the system or this flaw yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that they, in going through this attack and finding somebody's, uh, they found that the uh, iPhone 6 Plus, that it wasn't vulnerable to the attack because of the low gain uh, amplifier, but more the more recent phones, now they are because they're using high gain amplifiers. Um, so the, the newer technology, the clear cameras, uh, the clear microphones and speakers, you know, now it's becoming, they're going to use them against us. Sons of bitches. <laughs> So it goes back to uh, my earlier question. How do you defend against something that, you know, you, you don't hear? And I think that uh, immediately, once I read the article, and, and, and again, I've, I've read similar research projects in the past or papers in the past, um, the concept of some sort of authentication by voice, some sort of mechanism that would identify or, or um, not make or not commit any action unless your voice is the one uh, requesting the action. That would be the move for a lot of these devices. Unfortunately, depending on the products that you've purchased um, and the developers behind them, and of course, you know, all the different processes in place, many of these devices may not be updated with such a feature for quite some time. The, the one thing that I would, I would definitely push out there to the audience is you want to make sure that you look at this research paper. It's a great article. Definitely take a look at it. Take a read. 
um, see if there's any devices in your network that would be potentially vulnerable to this, and then start looking at ways that you could either segment uh, sensitive services uh, on your in, in your home network or find a way to communicate with the vendor and see if they're going to have some sort of uh, voice uh, verification process or authentication process at some point. You may also want to have to, to be on top of updating your devices when, when possible. You know, you talk about enabling the authentication by voice. That's a great security feature. But I think a lot of people, especially like, well, this is going to be scary to say, older people like me. <laughs> I love technology and all that. I still find it creepy when I like ask Alexa a question and she said she answers it by my first name. Um, she says, well, Chris, this is it, you know. I don't know if you heard it. Just it went off in the background just now. Son of a bitch, <laughs> listening to our the, it's recording our hacker in the Fed episode. Those bastards. But you know, it's still you know I don't like it to know what my voice is because once in a while it'll ask to train itself. You know, is this Chris I'm speaking to? And that creeps me out. So yeah, have you ever read a book like 1984 or similar where it kind of introduced the idea of Big Brother and surveillance states? Um, it's definitely a big no-no <laughs> to have a feature like that in your home that's kind of listening all the time. I think that realistically, you know, it, it, it comes down to personal risk or rather the risk that we are all individually willing to accept, right? If you're willing to deal with the fact that Alexa is always listening and listening for commands and maybe able to automate some things, then that's really on you. Um, if you're more security conscious and you want to kind of avoid that, then maybe looking into security or privacy features within that tool or that service you bought is, is going to take you a long way. Worst case scenario, if you're not into it, um, maybe not have it at all, right? Or maybe isolate it to a specific room or something, maybe a guest room or something. But I, I tell you, I love I love my Alexa and I, I, I use it all the time. So even for someone who's security conscious, I'm, I still, I'm still willing to take the risk, certain risk at least. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I, I, li- I like the idea of the convenience of it, you know, of, you know, adding things to a shopping list or, you know, just asking what the weather's going to be like. I don't, you know, I'm too busy a person to actually type in weather in my zip code into Google. I need something else to tell me that. You know that, Hector. <laughs> yeah, I feel you on that. I guess we're just getting old, my brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're definitely getting old. At least one of us is. Ugh. Oh, man. Yeah, but you know what's crazy? I have all these, like, gray hairs, and you don't. Like, you look like you're a, you know, you're a young guy coming out of college. Me, I'm, I'm, I'm like a werewolf. <laughs> the only reason you don't see my gray hairs is I don't have as much hair as I used to. <laughs> Good old genetics, you know? It works out of your favor in that case. Exactly. But let's move on from them listening to us and using our phones to attack us to now they're watching us and keeping track Oof. of us. Oh, and, terrible. And, and by watching this, I mean Tesla workers. So the mm. next story is uh, Tesla workers share sensitive images recorded by customer cars. Are you surprised by this? No, not at all. <laughs> no. So the article is talking about how you know Tesla says that privacy is and always will be enormously important to us. Uh, but then the you know the author of the article went through and recorded in uh, and reached out to hundreds of former Tesla workers and talked to them about stories of them sharing private information within the company. So so all the workers would get together and they'd find a, like a what they would quote an interesting video and share it amongst each other so they could talk at the water cooler or the the coffee machine about some of these videos and things like a, a guy walking up to his car naked or, or crashes and road rages they they said they one of them they talked about in 2021 they showed a tesla driving at high speed uh, mm. that hit a kid on a bike oh. and the the kid flew one direction and the bike flew another the perverse side of human nature i can see where that's interesting 
but man, if that's if that's your kid, you don't want that video going around and people like, laughing at it. Yeah, I mean, think about it like this. I remember it was quite some time ago when Google had to release some anonymized uh, data sets for their searches. Remember that? There was a whole fiasco with that. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was as a result of a court order or they were just trying to be, you know, open with with um, some of the metrics. But it turns out that as, as researchers and journalists went through this data set, yes, the searches were not connected to like a specific email. They were anonymized to uh, some sort of identifier. But there was enough information in those search for queries that would tie back to a person. Um, in some cases, people were even doxxed uh, as a result of their uh, Google searches. This is another situation where Tesla's like, well, you know, we do have, um, you know, it is in, rather they state in their customer privacy notice that it's recording or camera recordings remain anonymous and not linked to you or your vehicle. Um, but just according to the story, the videos could be linked back to a location, which could potentially dox a person. The fact that people are like looking at these videos and sharing them amongst themselves for entertainment, I feel is a tragedy, definitely. Now, I do have a question, uh, Chris, before we kind of move forward here. Sure. So I know you was in law enforcement for a long time. I know that part of your job is also to kind of maintain the integrity of your cases, research victims, et cetera. Um, you deal with a lot of sensitive information as part of your work with the FBI. Is there any rules in place that would forbid uh, an agent to have like a, a Tesla as his personal car or similar? It doesn't have to be Tesla. It could be any vehicle that has some sort of um, online connected video system. Is that something that the FBI or uh, that you've heard at least uh, has concerns about? Not that I'm aware of, but, uh, you know, that brings up an interesting thing, you know, like so most FBI agents have, uh, you know, an FBI take home car. They, you know, they, they're given a car for, you know, we need it to go out and, you know, do leads and make arrests and all that sort of thing. So it needs to have lights and sirens and a radio and all that. So it has to be an FBI vehicle. But I know there are some positions, you know, especially like administrative supervisor headquarters jobs where you're, you know, uh, above a special agent, you're a, a supervisory special agent um, and they drive their personal vehicles. They drive their personal vehicles sometimes into like FBI headquarters or, you know, secure locations within inside, you know, under the FBI building, I would assume you're allowed to have a Tesla. You know, the, the FBI has never said you can't have a Tesla. And, and again, this might not just be limited to Tesla. You know, I'm sure there's other car companies out there that have video and can store this video. Um, but you're driving your personal car into a very sensitive area that, you know, could show like under the World Trade Center, the columns when they put the bombs in there in 93, you know, sensitive information like that, where, you know, people could use that information to, you know, cause harm. You know, I was, when I read this story, I, I didn't even think about the FBI. So for your question, but I was thinking more like military bases. Yeah. Are you allowed to drive a Tesla on a military basis? You know, you could drive past like, um, you know, uh, readiness tests or, you know, troops assembling, meaning they're on the move about to go, you know, at, you know, be deployed. Um, that could be some very sensitive information for just a car driving by. Yeah, well, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, a couple of episodes ago, about government agencies around the country looking at banning TikTok and other apps um, due to the potential of those apps being able to um, surveil um, or be used for surveillance or data exfiltration, you know, within government buildings and so on. I mean, this this kind of flies right along that same line. Like, I'm probably looking at it. 
you know, a bit much. But the reality is, um, you know, if you have a, a an official or someone that's, um, you know, dealing with, with sensitive information by nature and they're driving around in a vehicle that's recording them at all times and that information is then or that video is then accessed by a third party aside from Tesla employees, so we're talking about a compromise, then, yeah, that that is... Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's not a good thing at all. Maybe something that folks should be thinking about. Yeah, you, I mean, your third party, it doesn't even have to be a third party vendor. I, I know you've said many times and you, you stand by it that the insider threat's the big big thing in 2023. So insider threat releases all these videos uh, uh, from Tesla. You know, I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's going to lead to the next story. But and without kind of exposing that story yet, you know, there is a lot of information information that could be used against us. And I'm talking about, you know, nationally, but this also applies to our international listeners. I, I, I strongly believe in the concept of, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And if you have operators, agents, you have um, law enforcement or people in the government, they have sensitive information walking around with, uh, you know, a, a smartwatch that's, that's being compromised, uh, a smart car that's being compromised, or their, their smartphone is being compromised. You know, that person now is not only a victim, but they're indirectly inside a threat to um, security of the organization, right? These are things that we have to think about, and we have to figure out a way to kind of deal with it, right? I'm not saying let's go back to pagers and fax machines, um, even though those two, those two mediums are not secure by, by any means, but we kind of need to figure out how to deal with that, that security risk moving forward, especially considering the geopolitical nature that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And those are great takeaways. And I wish we could end those stories. But I have two stories uh, I want to talk about on this one On this one, before we move on. Sorry. I, I, these guys sharing the videos amongst themselves, you know, the Tesla employees and, and talking about them, you know, that's just human nature. I think that happens, uh, you know, probably at every job. Um, I know that when I was in the FBI, I heard that a government agency, a law enforcement agency, I won't say which one, um, had some forensic examiners, uh, the people that go through their like, computers and and find you know the the all the bad files to be used you know in court and, and that sort of thing. They had set up a file server and was collecting MP3s um, for all the evidence that would come through. Um, it was their way of of making taking music. So um, they would get these results and they would you know it was used to supplement their. This was back in the days of the Napster and, and oh, yeah, share yeah. and all that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they weren't posting them online. They weren't putting them up. But this is their way. Instead of you know downloading the music, this is how they were grabbing it. So they got a lot of trouble. I think people got fired and a lot, you know, and that sort of thing that came from it. But yeah, well, because if you're dealing with music, that you're you're kind of engaging in piracy at that point, right? So well, piracy, you're taking it from evidence. I mean, that's the uh, oh, that, wow. pretty even, yeah, even worse. Yeah. yeah, even worse. So, but you know, that's why I say you know these sort of things happen, even you know where you think they shouldn't happen. You know, these people sharing this information. But the the last part the 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 story put out there is that uh, there was about three years earlier from from this article that employees found a video of uh, some like submersible uh, the the a Tesla had recorded a submersible and they nicknamed the video uh, Wet Nilly. Um, it was it was a it was a picture it was a video of, from a car uh, that they had you know shared amongst each other of this White Lotus submarine. Um, that was featured in the 1977 James oh, Bond yeah. film, Spy Who Loves Me. So come to find out who bought that, who owns that? Elon Musk, the guy who owns Tesla. So <laughs> he, you know these employees were even using uh, the cameras to look at their bosses' uh, videos. So no one was out of bounds. So another scary situation. 
Wow, I would love to hear his perspective on that. Like, what was his takeaway and how he felt about that violation of privacy? Because I'm sure that he did not expect anyone to be looking inside of his garage, right? I, I bet it becomes very political. I'll just say that, that, you know, people say, you know, it's uh, he's talking about free speech and all that, except for now, once he owns Twitter, not, it's going to be along those lines. Uh, oh, we should be able, you know, you agreed to, you know, let, let Tesla use that data for, you know, to better their systems and improve the systems. Um, but then when it's turned around on him exactly, you know, maybe uh, he, he wouldn't be happy about that. But that's just speculation. But well, again, remember, yeah. he's a hacker in the Fed listener. So, like, uh, <laughs> maybe Elon, reach out and let us know what you thought about the Tesla employees looking at your video. Well, we'll talk about Elon. He made, a, he made some commentary over the weekend, I believe, or maybe end of last week, where he made reference to the fact that uh, cert- certain government agencies had access to, to direct messages on Twitter. And, um, you know, I find it fascinating because one of the one of the responses that came up quick, uh, you know, there's always a snarky comment and response or retort, you know, from uh, from these uh, folks online. Uh, one of the points was, well, I mean, you've you've owned Twitter for like, you know, half a year or whatever. Why haven't you implemented end to end encryption? Why? Why are direct messages still plain text? And, yeah, that that's that's interesting to see. It's also interesting to see that in one of his screenshots um, that he posted a couple of weeks ago between him and another journalist, he posted screenshots of him using another tool called Signal, which you, which encrypts messages. So yeah, interesting stuff. You know, when it comes to like Twitter, Elon, end-to-end encryption, and, and now Tesla apparently, there's always going to be like a political sway to it, especially when it comes to privacy. And I would love to see or hear, you know, Tesla's and, and Twitter's perspective on this uh, at some point in the future. Let's get Elon on the show. Let's do it. We're very happy to partner with Delete.me for this episode. Delete.me is a simple subscription privacy service for reducing unwanted personal information exposed on the public web. Hector, you've been using Delete.me for years. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about it? There would be folks that would send me letters or send letters to like family addresses. And it was pretty interesting to see how motivated folks were to actually send us like hate mail. I ended up looking for a service that would kind of automate the process of removing unwanted personal information from the web. It's a lot of work because there are literally hundreds of different data wells and services that offer your information for uh, a fee. Delete Me was able to, you know, in a matter of a quarter or less, start to remove a lot of these, you know, unwanted PII or person identifying information from the web, not only for myself, but for my family members. It was fantastic. And because of that, I am still a client and a customer to this day. I really wish I had Delete Me when I took down Silk Road. I mean, there was a, a lot of information out there that I just wish the, the world didn't have for me. So that would have been a great service. I wish I had access to it back then. Delete Me removes private information from over 580 data brokers. Did you know the average person has over 2,000 pieces of data about them online? They can easily be found. It's a lot. So with Delete Me, you simply sign up and submit some basic personal information for removal from the search engines. Then Delete Me's experts find and remove your personal information. And then you'll receive a detailed Delete Me report in seven days. The Delete Me continues to scan for and delete information about you all year long, removing your personal information every three months. Removing personal information is complex and time consuming. With hundreds of data broker sites, 
all having different policies and procedures, join Delete Me and make PII data removal easy for you. The URL is joindeleteme.com slash fed. Again, joindeleteme.com slash fed. Use promo code FED20. Joindeleteme.com forward slash fed. Promo code FED20. I think it would be missing out if we didn't touch on the actual biggest cybersecurity story uh, of the week. Um, and sometimes in, uh, a little behind the curtain audience, I know you love the behind the curtain at Hacker and the Fed. Some of these stories that happen so fast, you know, Hector and I just can't cover because by the time the show's posted, you know, it's gone, you know, the story's changed. Um, like if we would have done this last week, um, it would have been, oh, you know, Pentagon papers were stolen. And then by the time the show went out, you know, they would have arrested the guy uh, in Massachusetts uh, before, you know, and we would kind of look foolish putting out old, old information. But now that this is kind of played out all the way, um, I just want to talk to you, Hector, about some of your, th- some of your thoughts. And, and what we're talking about, audience, is the Massachusetts Air National Guardsman who has been arrested by the FBI for posting uh, stolen classified documents into his Discord channel or a private group on the internet of 24 people um, that, that shared information about uh, gaming and that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is a great story. Uh, it's quite controversial. It's already politicized in many ways, um, which is a shame because this story is interesting on many different levels, right? So for the audience here that don't really, uh, they have not heard the story yet, and I'm sure you've heard it a thousand times by now, but it was a, a young gentleman out of Massachusetts with the uh, Massachusetts Air National Guard that had exfiltrated some documentation, uh, top secret, um, and was posting it on Discord for his friends. His friends seemed to be an audience that were probably younger than him. Uh, they referred to him as the OG. And yeah, he was just you know posting this information for the purpose of, from, from what I've read so far, Chris, um, there was a duality to it. I think the main point was to kind of confirm what it is that he was saying. He was kind of doing like intelligence briefing with his audience, uh, about 24 members or so that were part of his Discord. But then the other part of the, the, I guess the other side of that was that he was kind of showing off. A lot of folks have said, at least from what I've seen on Twitter, different opinions, a lot of great opinions. There was a great write-up, I believe, by Pwn, all the things. If you guys know who that is on Twitter, check, check out their recent blog post. Really good write-up on this exact topic where they kind of go into uh, the nuances of leaking and whistleblowing. And before we get into that topic, that's, that's an entirely different topic. What are your thoughts so far on this, Chris, on this story? So, yeah, I think this guy got in over his head. Uh, he is young. He's 21, like you said. He was showing off to his friends. You know, I guess maybe he didn't think one of his friends, he thought this was a close-knit community, um, wouldn't take those messages and put them outside the Discord, um, which is what sort of happened. One of the users took screenshots or downloaded the documents and moved them over to another Discord or a YouTube channel, uh, put some of the comments up there, and the media took off on it. I think you and I have a difference of opinion about this guy and putting the information out there and the access that he was able to have. Um, I'm all right with it. Uh, yes, he's 21 years old, and I think sometimes youth has a problem understanding repercussions. Uh, I think they might be Superman and there's no no responsibilities. But he had a job. 
His job was a cyber transport systems journeyman. That's somebody that lays fiber optic cable in, in these Air Force bases. And he needed the clearance because those systems have top secret clearance. Um, they, have, they, they, they send top secret information. So in order to even put your hands on those systems, he has to have clearance. Why he did it, that'll be debated. That'll come out in court and all that. But I don't think just because of his age, he shouldn't have had a security clearance. And there's a lot of media going around saying that. Oh, why does someone so young? Well, we need people to do these jobs. We need people to build these systems. So classified information, top secret information, is a need-to-know basis. Should he have been able to get his hands on it? Probably not. There's probably going to come out about something sloppy, about someone leaving this in an office that he had access to or something like that. But uh, we have to give young people security clearances. There's a way of doing it. You know, um, some guy years and years and years ago tried to blow up a plane by his shoes, and now we all have to take our shoes off to get on a plane. I don't think that's a solution here. I don't think we're going to say, oh, you have to be 25 now to get a security clearance. I don't think that's the answer. Yeah, I don't think age is the answer either. I mean, it doesn't matter if they're 18 or 81. The point is that we kind of need to look at access controls as a, as a strong potential uh, mitigation. Again, this guy, he was laying down cables. He needed access. He needed the, the proper you know, uh, privileges to be able to access those systems, um, hardware or not. Now, did he did he need access to the files that he leaked? From from what I gather from his job title, not so much. I could be wrong, and I would love to hear from folks in the military on whether or not you know someone like him needed access to those briefings. Now, if you would tell me, hey, there's a 19 year old that is the secretary to a secretary to someone in the intelligence wing of uh, the Massachusetts Air National Guard. And my problem is not that that person gets access to it uh, just because of their age and, and rank or whatever, because in that case, that person definitely needs access to those files. The issue that I have really is um, that it seems like we have, you know, uh, we have like an honor system where we have, you know, we have these top secret uh, classifications and those files with those classifications are hosted on systems and anyone with the proper privileges could access those files. That's just an open environment and is ripe for abuse. We're going to continue to see these leaks over and over until proper access controls are set in place. Now, how likely is that going to happen in our generation? I have no idea because I can imagine how convoluted or complex that, that environment is. And then you also have human nature. Right. You can't solve every problem with technical controls. You could try to mitigate as much damage as possible, but there's always going to be somebody somewhere that gets lazy and, you know, leaves a printed out top secret document somewhere in an office that's probably in a military base expecting that, that those files would be safe. But all it would take is somebody of a lower rank that shouldn't be accessing those files just walking by and say, OK, well, I'm going to take a picture of this real quick. I definitely think that's what's going to come down to. If, if we ever get the details at trial, that that's how it was. It was some of it was files that were sitting on somebody's desk. Because you're right, this guy who lays cable doesn't need to know what's going on in you know the 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 intelligence of someone reporting in the Ukraine. He just needs that clearance to be able to put his hands on that system. The 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 data inside that system is not. Again, I think this is good. If if 
you know, maybe this guy gets a sweet deal and pleads guilty. So none of the facts come to light. It's going to come down to sloppiness of handling classified information where he had access to the location. I don't, he didn't have access to like log in and look at that sort of thing, but I think it's going to come down to, you know, Hey, we're going to talk about former presidents, current presidents, uh, former military leaders that these documents are found in their house, the same sloppiness. This is going to go into that same bucket of we are sloppy with the, with paper. Let's talk about, you know, access controls. So you talked about a secretary printing something out. So if a general has a secretary and his secretary prints it out and brings it to him, what's the computer system going to say who accessed that file? Well, at that point it would say that the secretary printed it out and brought it over. And and at that point, it's up to the secretary to you know maintain a chain of custody up to the general. Now, whatever the general does with that those those papers is is up to the general. But at least at that point, we would know. Okay, well, these documents leaked. We feel like they were leaked at six p.m. on a Friday. The last person that printed these documents anywhere in our system was the secretary. So let's start there. That to me is better than what happened here because it seems like he's been leaking documentation or documents. Um, for quite some time. This is not something that happened two weeks ago, right? As far as I've read so far, he's been doing this since, you know, maybe December of last year. Uh, that's 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 not good. No, but it originally started with him handwriting it down. That's right, yeah. So, you know, which f- fits the, you know, a, a skiff is an area where it's a secure location where you're not allowed to bring your phone in. You leave your phone in a, in a box outside the door. That fits exactly he, you know, working in a space that he needed physical access to, but didn't have a way of getting those. He didn't actually have access to the documentation. But then at some point, he started exfiltrating those documentation, those documents rather, and then taking pictures of it at home, right? Well, we don't know if he was taking pictures at home. He was taking pictures. I don't think it's come out whether it's at home or at work. I know there was one where it matched up his countertop. Yeah, that's what I was referring to, actually. Yeah, in the search one. But we don't know if those were all the documents. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah, so going with, going with that, at, for at least that one document, that that was an exfiltration. Uh, that's very bad. I mean, look, I know, the guy, bad. I know the guy is young. I was young. I, trust me, I've made mistakes in my life, ladies and gentlemen. Trust me. Um, is is actually how we ended up here on this podcast in the first place. I really wish that he had some guidance, and I really wish that he had an opportunity to have some folks, you know, give him a reality check. You know that that internet clout bullshit is just that. Um, he's he's gained nothing from it. And, uh, you know, when you start looking at the, the research that Bellingcat and similar organizations did, the moment there was a little bit of pressure, all, you know, four or five of the people on his Discord immediately started talking. Um, they weren't arrested. They weren't, it wasn't the FBI. It wasn't Chris knocking on the door like, hey, what is this? You know, these people were talking about it openly. Uh, there was very little trust within his, his, his circle. And I feel like, you know, it, it's, uh, I just think it's a shame to see someone's, you know, kind of lose their career uh, or make a bad decision like this. That This is going to be a, probably a lifelong decision, you know? I, I, saw, I saw some people guesstimating the kind of numbers you could look at. We don't know that for sure. But even if, if you look at the extreme case of, of 10 years per leak, and there's 300 documents plus, man, that's, that's, that's a lifelong engagement, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's bad. And there could be more charges, like the other people in the Discord that shared it on other channels. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, there's going to be a little bit of proof to jump through that they knew that it was a legitimate classified document, but we'll see what happens with that. But I, 
I think you are 100% right that, uh, you know, it's access control is a huge issue. Um, it's a big cybersecurity issue. I mean, look at the – we never found out who was the leaker for uh, the the abortion issue the that came out of the That's Supreme right. Court. Mm-hmm. I mean, how? How could that possibly be? How could such a protected thing that went around, we not say, this person printed the document on this day, so it has to be them? I mean, they even knew what version was leaked. So is everyone – had access with inside the Supreme Court to that version? Yeah, I mean, that's that's fascinating. I mean, it's fascinating to to think about something like that where you have um, a highly secretive, you know, uh, uh, process of handling files or highly coveted in a way in terms of severity and sensitivity. And to this day, we have no idea who that leaker was. Fascinating. It's scary as shit that this is the system <laughs> that we use to protect our biggest secrets. I mean, not that a Supreme Court is the biggest, issue, but these other, these are top secret documents. They're the highest, you know, authority in the land as far as classification. And, you know, there's no real good audit control on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big problem. And, you know, when you start looking at, and this is, for, this is uh, something for the audience to think about. When you look at your organization as it is, wherever you're at, whether it's a school, whether it's it's your, your workplace, or you're running your own business, if a leak like this were to take place within your organization, would you be able to backtrack or identify how the leak took place? Do you have you know any sort of access control to prevent you know a, a third party, uh, like a, like maybe a subcontractor or an intern, from accessing your most sensitive parts of your network? Unfortunately, an NDA is only going to take you so far. You know what I mean? Like NDA is going to, go to protect you um, and maybe even give you the option or the, the opportunity to take someone to court. But if you cannot identify that person, then you have a major problem within your organization. So I guess my takeaway here from, 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 that, from that point that I just gave to the audience is if the military is having problems with access controls, imagine your organization. It's funny that regulators will tr- fine and penalize organizations for poor access controls, but uh, who's, who, no one's finding or penalizing the military on this one. Well, it's like I told Charlie Rose in my interview many years ago. I said, uh, who will guard the guards? Right? It's a famous quote. But it's, it's something that, again, you know, we need to think about as, you know, as a people, as, uh, at least here in the U.S., and again, uh, this applies to all our foreign listeners as well, or listeners abroad, rather. If in the event there were some major cyber operations against your 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 country, your home country, um, or not even cyber, but you know espionage, how are we going to deal with it when we have you know these lax controls? Um, it's it's just going to become worse and worse as we move forward. I was reading a story today, this morning, about birth tourism. You know what that is? No, I don't. Well, we have an influx of. Um, Russian women that are pregnant, that are traveling uh, from different places around the world, their home origin is Russia, and they're coming to the United States and just giving birth. Because here in the United States, if you give birth here, then uh, technically the child is a citizen. Am I right or wrong? I believe that's correct. So, you know, now we have kind of like a, a little explosion of birth tourism happening in our country. And so from a national security perspective, if zero changes are made over the next 20 years, over the next generation, now you have an entire new generation of potential military recruits that will have access to these same systems with zero access controls um, that, you know, these young folks may be tailored by their parents to do something iffy. You know what I mean? Now, that's going beyond the scope. Now we're talking about theoretical and, and all that stuff, but it's something to think about. So I think we should definitely focus on uh, internal security as we move forward. Yep, I agree. So maybe your insider threat pre- uh, prediction is, is way, 
That's fuck. That's that's right. That's right. Right. I made a prediction. Insider threats were going to be a big thing this year. And here's one. Ah. Oh. We got Tesla employees. We got military guys. Um, <laughs> I, I think those are just the stories that you want us to talk about. So let's prove you're right. Well, listen, brother, I got a question for you. Can I, can, I be, can I be a little controversial? Can I ask you a controversial question? You can ask me whether Phineas and Dave keep it in. Who knows? <laughs> Is he a whistleblower? No. Okay, cool. I believe youth plays a part on his side um, that he made a mistake as a youth. Yeah. Um, I will say that anyone that has top secret clearance, you are read in and you part of that being read in is to tell people how serious this information is. Yeah. And part of it is the penalties if you disclose it. So mm-hmm. he was made aware of those. And and one of the things that and I probably brought this up on the, the mm-hmm. Nuntaken podcast, uh, you know, a lot of things that are top secret is because it's single sourced, meaning that the information could only come from one person. So let's say that is somebody that's working in a foreign government that's we flipped to be a spy for the United States. Maybe some of these leaks this guy put out there is, is getting people killed, and that's scary. Oh yeah, no, that's 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 very scary, and I hope there's you know something like that does not happen, right? I mean that that's always a, a tragedy. There's ram- ramifications to all this. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. But again, like you said, he's young, and I you know I hope I hope he could figure something out, and but um. You know, for the rest of you out there, you know, listen, life is short. It's beautiful. You know, sometimes we go through the things we go through. The one thing we don't want to do is, is you know, risk the, the, the trajectory of our lives and our human experience by, you know, making a decision like this that you can't really take back. And I, I, I almost made that decision. I mean, I made terrible decisions in the past when I was the bad guy. But I, I was fortunate to run into Chris at, a, at the right exact time. I know I said that before, Chris. So please don't don't get bored with that or feel like I'm being like redundant or whatever. But I always love hearing it. No, it's true. I, I think that in my case, I, I was becoming so radicalized by you know these different groups that were around me, and I, to this day, I have no idea, you know, which of these were intelligence forces or intelligence agents or operatives. I have no idea whose people were, uh, aside from those that that you know have come public over the years. And, you know, by the time that Chris ran into me, and this is, you know, this is what I said earlier, I wish he had guidance. I wish that he would have met a Chris before, you know, this situation took off the way it did, because it gave me an opportunity to catch myself. You know, if, if Chris would have never knocked on my door or he just said, yeah, screw it. I don't, I don't care about this case. I probably would have continued. I probably would have gone down, you know, the rabbit hole even deeper. And we probably would not be having this conversation today. So... Uh, that's my take on it, and I hope that it works out for him, whatever way that means. Words of wisdom. Hopefully someone in the audience can take that uh, and, and change their life in some sort of a way. I appreciate that, Hector. Oh, yeah. So another story that came up. A hacker got hacked. Um, I think this happens quite often in the hacking world. Oh, yeah. You certainly can talk about that. But this hacker happens to be a GRU officer or a, a Russian military officer who has been led the APT-28, also known as Fancy Bear or uh, Pawn Storm, has carried out numerous cyber attacks uh, in, uh, against governments in the United States, Germany, Italy, Latvia, Estonia, Poland, Norway, and the Netherlands, and many, many more, including the Ukraine. But now it seems like a Ukrainian activist team, Cyber Resistance, hacked the shit out of this guy. Yeah, shout out, shout out to, to uh, the Ukrainian homies for catching this guy. Um, and just compromising him. And I think they sent him a bunch of stuff to his home. Well, uh, 
He yeah. sent a bunch of stuff to his home. Uh, yeah, they yeah. they yeah. used his account to That's send right. shit to his, his home, uh, <laughs> including a bunch of uh, gay pride stuff, FBI stuff, and uh, prob- maybe some things his wife might like. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say. This is this is a story that's interesting because this this guy, well, to the Russian Federation, he's probably a hero. Um, but to the United States, he was the bad, one of the bad guys. I mean, he's been known for, well, the, his group and their activities have been known for quite some time. I'm sure during your time with the FBI, you've heard about these guys, right, uh, Chris? Yeah, certainly. And then, yeah, to further being labeled as a bad guy, in July 2008, the Department of Justice, uh, you know, indicted him. He's been indicted for hacking into the the... DNC, the Democratic National Committee, and he's been involved in a lot more stuff beyond that. Yeah, and it's it's very rare. And I, this is for the audience here. Like, guys, you have no idea how rare this is. We've seen a couple of these major compromises over the years. Before this, I remember it was the big compromise that the Dutch uh, executed against uh, the the uh, the FSB. Remember that, Chris? That was a big story. The Dutch is great at this. This is they are really really good at this. Oh, yeah. You know what? I, I'm going to jump on that uh, for the audience. The the Dutch are like super hackers. Very similar to like the Polish. Polish uh, law enforcement have some serious hackers themselves. But yes, before this major hack of a bad guy, there was another one by the Dutch where they actually broke into the camera system. And they were watching uh, Russian operatives or actors uh, targeting U.S. assets, which was crazy. Uh, but no, in this, in this story here, these researchers or, or the cyber resistance group uh, targeted the the leader of APT28. They compromised his emails. Uh, which, by the way, you know what blew my mind, Chris? That this guy actually, with all the stuff he was doing, he actually had a personal email with all like his entire life in it. Yeah, he had crazy stuff in his personal email. <laughs> he had his documents that he filled out for his security clearance in his personal email. That was insane. And, of course, the salary. So in case you guys are curious... Uh, this guy was making about three to twenty. Uh, to, sorry, three uh, three thousand to thirty five or thirty six hundred per month from the Russian Federation, which I think is a pretty high salary. Is it? I mean, I, I guess so. I don't know. I mean, I so that's let, let's say on the the let's say thirty five hundred. What is that? Uh, that's thirty five thousand plus another seven thousand forty two thousand. Couldn't he make more hacking if he has this great skill set? One hundred percent. Not that I not that I'm telling the GRU officers to just move your wealth, life to crime, but. <laughs> I mean, you have a, a skill set that, that pays money. Well, you know, you know how I feel about the Ukrainian uh, situation. Um, my heart is with them, and you know they've suffered a lot. And I'm glad that the Ukrainian hackers are finally, you know, moving against these these Russian hacker groups. You know, they've kind of been embedded with each other in some cases. You know, we've heard many stories over the last year and a half that there were infighting amongst some ransomware groups because they were, um, you know, in some cases. Uh, uh, you know, involved. Rather, you had Ukrainian hackers who were involved in those in those groups. Those guys have fought back, and those guys have been leaking documentation since um, the so-called special uh, military operation. Um, so, yeah, big shout out to them for this hack. You know, as someone that uh, that you know does not you know agree with this this conflict, uh, this was a good hack to see, and it was interesting information. Now, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question, Chris. Let's say you're at the FBI and, you know, maybe maybe this you know, this guy is part of your case files or something. Maybe he's a case that you, you're working. And if something like this happens, what does that do for you? Does that endanger your case or what does that do in, in general? So, wait, I'm working a case against this guy and he, he hasn't been indicted or anything like that? Well, no, let's say he's already indicted. You already know who he is. You have an idea. 
Um, but there's not really much information you have. And then a hack like this happens. And there's a bunch of details that come out. Does that help you or does that make your situation uh, much more difficult in case of, uh, in case he's ever extradited? I mean, it's it doesn't hurt your case that this stuff comes out. Um, you know, the information wasn't illegally tained, obtained by the FBI. Um, you know, it's publicly available information now. But I mean, it, it, it sort of parallels your case. I mean, we were targeting you, going after you, and someone doxed you, and it scared us into, you know, immediately that night changing our course of action. So, you know, you just have to stay fluid with it. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's interesting. I mean, again, so I'm sure this guy has had his passport pulled where he's not allowed to ever leave Russia. If he, if he does, you know, there's a, he knows too much information. They can't risk, like, even if you they go to a country with no extradition, uh, let's say he, like, flies to, and I, I'm just named, I'll say Cuba, because I know it used to not, I don't know if it still does, um, but, you know, a lot of Russians would, would vacation in Cuba because they didn't extradite the United States. What if there's a problem with the plane? Uh, does the plane get diverted to Miami? You know, becomes yeah. a big issue then so uh mm-hmm. so you know they say they just pull their passports and don't let them travel well you know it's funny i so you mentioned cuba i believe that um russia's spokesman i forgot his name was it Lav- Lav- lavrov the i believe it's yes yeah, sergey lavrov he's actually traveling to cuba um this week i believe uh, he's in brazil right now having a blast um because you know the president of brazil is uh is uh, pushing a, a anti-Ukraine, uh, or rather, an anti-U.S. involvement uh, policy, and then after that, he's going to Venezuela, Nicaragua, and Cuba last. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of a side side note or fun fact for the audience. But yeah, the idea of the plane getting messed up and being re- redirected to Miami, I'm sure, is scary for any of these folks. Well, we had a fun conversation today, Hector. I enjoyed all of it. Hopefully, we gave some people some useful information. Um, you know, Hector and I have a call this afternoon with a potential guest for Hacker in the Fed. So I think you guys like the, the guests. So we're excited to do that. Um, if you guys have a guest that you'd like us to interview or, you know, someone, obviously, we're going to get Elon Musk on after our conversation today. Um, you have a guest you want to introduce us to, or just maybe someone you you know um, that would be a good uh, cybersecurity conversation. Reach out to us at uh, questions at hackerinthefed.com. If you have a question that you want Hector and I to answer, again, same email address: questions at hackerinthefed.com. Uh, new episodes every Thursday. Download, subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts, and ten- tell your friends. Spread the word. Hacker in the Fed is out there and providing good information uh and uh, hopefully that information is getting to you that phineas and dave are leaving in uh i really tried hard to mention phineas and dave as many times as possible today hector yeah i know that's great i mean they, they do deserve some recognition hopefully they get some uh some fun emails later on in the day when uh, no folks- it's really just the air check i'm hoping to see how many times they put them in i wouldn't i, I think uh, phineas is going to add his name in a few times <laughs> nice well, Phineas, if you're hearing this, just put your email to the end of this as well. That would be fun. Oh, yeah. You can do that. You know, that'd be Why fun. not? But maybe we'll have Phineas on one time as a guest. We Phineas, should. what is it like to edit Hacker in the Fed? <laughs> well, Probably you guys do ramble on a lot, so uh, <laughs> there's some editing there for sure. No. <laughs> oh, did you, you went with the dorky guy voice for Phineas? Is that really? I mean, you know, with a name like Phineas, you don't necessarily think of a Viking. You know what I mean? Oh, well. But I no, know so, now. Well, you know what? There probably was a famous Viking named Phineas, and my ignorance has kind of uh, just bit me in the ass. Maybe, maybe. 
So. <laughs> you know what? He should get a Viking hairdo now. <laughs> totally. That would be pretty cool. So. Oh, yeah. I'm with it. I'm, I'm totally with that. All right, Hector. Fun conversation. Look forward to next week's conversation. Um, and uh, we, will, uh, we will enjoy ourselves this week. Have fun. All right. You too, my friend. Cheers. All right. Cheers, friend. <laughs>